This message is brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about our ministries, we encourage you to visit us online at tabernaclehickory.org. That's tabernaclehickory.org. You can find our sermons on a number of platforms, including Apple iTunes, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. We trust that God will use this message to speak to your heart. I'd like for you, if you would, to go with me into the New Testament to the book of 1 Peter chapter number 5, 1 Peter chapter number 5, and this morning we begin looking at this text, and we understand that Peter is writing, if you'll look with me in chapter number 1, just hold your place there in chapter number 5, and we see the beginning of his letter and his address, and it tells us something of the nature of of his letter, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. And so we understand he is writing to those who have been scattered abroad as a result of the persecution against the first century church. And in chapter number five, he is closing this first epistle, and he has dealt with, as we look this morning, uh, he has dealt with the elders, the pastor, uh, the elder pastor and bishop, three uh, titles uh, for one office, and uh, he dealt with, as we looked at this morning, the responsibilities uh, of an elder, the rules of an elder. And then the rewards of an elder. We looked at that truth this morning. And this chapter really deals with the sheep and the shepherd. As they live in a world that is hostile uh, to the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ. And hostile to those who follow the Lord Jesus Christ. We come to verse number 5 and we see that uh, the Apostle Peter now turns his attention from the shepherd. And now he addresses the sheep directly. And the Bible tells us in verse number five, likewise ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour, whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions which are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world." The God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. I've taken for my title, Peter's Message to Suffering Sheep. Peter's message 
to suffering sheep. And we, know, we need to note that it is not simply Peter's message, it is the Lord's message to the suffering sheep. He has already addressed the shepherd and now he begins to speak to the sheep who are dealing with the persecution uh, that is at hand. Now, originally, as we noted this morning, this church, this church at Jerusalem, uh, felt the wrath of the uh, leaders of Judaism who did all they could possibly do to eliminate those who preached the name of Jesus. And they could not eradicate the message of the gospel. They could not eradicate uh, the believers. And uh, they, despite all of their efforts, failed. Now this persecution has spread beyond uh, the scope of the uh, religious leaders of Judaism and it has now been embraced by the Roman government. And Peter is writing to them at a time where it is anything but safe to be called a Christian. I've heard many sermons throughout my life about the persecution of the church uh, throughout the ages and uh, I've been a student somewhat of church history, and I recognize that the church has been persecuted uh, throughout its history. Uh, there are many Christians today who are being persecuted, killed, martyred for their faith. And we now live in a country that has been free to preach the gospel uh, for more than 200 years, but we can see on the horizon a wave, uh, a movement that seems to be uh, gathering steam uh, that would be a movement that would seek to silence those who believe the Bible. And you can sense that is, is coming. And of course we understand that all is in line with what the Bible tells us. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. And the Bible tells us that men will turn away their ears from the truth. And they will heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And uh, they will be turned away from the truth and they'll be turned into fables and they'll believe a lie. And the Bible tells us that in those days they will call good that which is right, they'll call it evil. And that which is evil, they'll call good. And the Bible tells us that there will be a deception in the end time. That is so strong that if it were possible, even the very elect would be deceived. Now that's a strong deception, isn't it? And so uh, as believers, we need to understand that we are living in an era in our nation and there are people throughout the world already who are enduring persecution and that persecution is possibly lying at our doorstep. Now in what form it may come, I, I do not know. But we can certainly see the political climate uh, that uh, it, it is not friendly at all to Bible-believing Christians. And so Paul is writing to these suffering sheep and he gives them three, or Peter rather, not Paul. He gives them three admonitions. And I'd like for you to write them down as we look at them together. We find the first one here in verses 5 and 6. And notice it, please. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. 
For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Here's the first admonition. We find it there in verse 5. Be clothed with humility. So here it is. Clothe yourself with humility. Clothe yourself uh, with humility. The word clothe here. It literally means to gather a garment together, to tie in a knot, hence to fasten as a garment, to, to take on a garment of humility and, and, and take it upon you, drape it around you, fasten it to you, gird yourself in humility. And so Peter uh, begins this admonition with a group of people in particular. Notice it in verse 5. Likewise ye younger. So he's dealing with a particular group of people who probably struggle the most with this subject of submission. Likewise ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. And so his admonition is to those who are young, that they would submit themselves to those who are older than them, those who are obviously in a position of influence and authority in their lives. He's speaking in the context of the church. And obviously we understand that this is a, a great principle for all of us to learn because all authority is given by God. And we need to understand that. Authority is not something that man grasps for it is something that god gives and god assigns and we understand that the bible tells us that rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft now that's a very serious statement isn't it uh, not many of us i hope none of us would uh, entertain the notion of offering up some satanic ritual or uh, putting a, a, a satanic curse or a satanic uh, uh, hex on someone. Now we hear of these kind of things, but most of us never encounter anybody like that. Uh, but there are demonic forces at work in our world. I encountered them in a, a way I've never encountered them in my life when I was in India. And other people who've gone on missions trips in different parts of the world have told me that uh, in places where they've traveled, they have encountered uh, demonism and, and witchcraft. And, and we understand that witchcraft is, is happening, of course, in our nation. You don't have to travel outside the borders of our nation. But our nation has been primarily a gospel-preaching nation, a Bible-believing nation, a nation that has had God's blessing. To think that one would want to practice witchcraft and all of the heinous thoughts and the wicked thoughts that come with that. And yet what we often fail to realize is that God says our rebellion against authority, our refusal to submit to authority is as witchcraft. Now you can dress it up any way you want to. You can make it nice and appealing. 
You can offer every excuse in the book that you would like to offer. But at the end of the day, God said, rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. And so he's speaking to his people and he says, you need to remember this. You are to submit yourselves unto the elder. And all the elders said, amen. Let me tell you, these young people need to submit. But then notice what he says. Yea, all of you, be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. Now again, he's speaking to believers and he's, of course he's speaking to the younger generation that they are to submit to the older. And by the way, there is a disdain that younger people can develop a contempt, a disdain for older people. They don't, they don't understand me. They, 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 their, their opinions are outdated. Hey, wait a minute. Those people lived before you, and they, they traveled this road before you, and they have a lot to offer you. The Bible pattern for teaching is that the older men would teach the younger men, and the older ladies would teach the younger ladies, and we need to humble ourselves. We need to... Clothe ourselves with humility. We need to gather up those garments and bind them about us and understand that God gave us people who have more experience and more wisdom and who've walked with God longer than we have and we would be foolish, we would be rebellious as witchcraft if we didn't hear them and submit to them. You say, what if they're wrong? Uh, listen, I have two parents who love the Lord. They were not perfect, and I guarantee you, I don't remember any instances where they were wrong in dealing with me. Maybe they were. I'm being as serious as I can be. But I'm going to tell you, I imagine at some point they were probably wrong. But God did not put me on earth to tell them they were wrong. He did not put me on earth to sort of uh, examine everything they told me to do in light of whether or not I thought that was the right thing to do or not. I'm not the inspector. I'm just here to do what I'm supposed to do. Now, I'm not here to tell you that I always did that. And I'm not pretending to do that. But this is what I know. My responsibility was to submit myself to them. If they were wrong, guess what? That's between them and God. What's between me and God is that I submit to their authority. Is it that simple or is it that simple? Now you can slice it and dice it any way you want to. You can shake it up and bake it up and spin it around and tell me, wait a minute, that doesn't apply to me. No, it does apply to you. And here's the question, will you submit to it? And there's only one of two answers. Now notice he says, yea, all of you be subject one to another. That means every one of us have to understand that we are accountable to each other. You know, we live in the day, I, I, I like to use the term, I, I, don't think, I don't know if it's a good term, but we have a lot of freelance Christians. 
You know what a freelance photographer is, right? He's a guy who goes around taking pictures and he finds a newspaper or somebody who will buy his pictures. He doesn't work for anybody in particular. He works for himself. He does what he wants to do and he tries to peddle his products. Some people approach their relationship to their church like a freelance photographer. I might go to Tabernacle on Sunday morning and I might go down the road to such and such on Sunday night and I might float into wherever on Wednesday. I, I, I might get involved in that thing because that appeals to me and that church down the road has a, another ministry that appeals to me and I don't really want to be tied down anywhere or accountable to anyone and I might give my tithe here or I might give it there or I might do this and I might do that. Now listen, there are people who because of extenuating circumstances have to do some of that and I'm not th don't throw out the baby with the bathwater tonight. But understand this freelance approach to Christianity is not a biblical approach. There has to be accountability. And there is the principle of submission one to another. That means I can't just do anything I want to do. Because I have to understand that what I do impacts other people. So if I'm in the choir, I'm accountable to be in the choir. If I'm an usher, I'm accountable to be an usher. If I'm a nursery worker, I'm accountable to be a nursery worker. If I'm a, working on the bus route, I'm, a, I'm accountable. I, I can't just decide one day, well, I mean, you know, you can decide anything you want to, but it, think about it. Is it proper to decide that, hey, I just don't want to go today? Because that impacts other people, right? Is that a biblical principle? Absolutely. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25 and 26. Let us consider one another to provoke and to love and good works. And so that, that kind of accountability makes people uncomfortable, and that's why you have so little commitment today. But here he says, we need to clothe ourselves in humility. Now, what is humility? Well, humility is, is described for us. Let's go to Romans chapter number 12. Romans chapter number 12, and, and uh, we'll see what Paul has to say about humility. Romans chapter 12 and verse number 3, For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Now that is a problem we all have, isn't it? And here Paul addresses this problem under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that we are not to think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think. In verse number 16 of Romans chapter 12, he says this, Be of the same mind one toward another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Here's what he's saying. He's saying we need to be, as believers, we need to be humble. And we need to clothe ourselves with humility. Now notice what happens when we refuse to do that. Go back with me into our text, 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse number 5. For God resisteth the proud. 
If we refuse to submit to him and to one another and as younger people to elder people, as children to parents, can I tell you that the Bible says God resisteth the proud? Now the word resist here is a battle term. It means to set the battle in array. A general who's going to lead his military into battle is going to set his troops up. He's going to organize them and he's going to set them up so that they are ready to face the foe. And do you know that when you and I are lifted up with pride and we do not submit to God and to the authorities in our lives, when we don't do that, God resists us. Now, I want to tell you something. I, I've felt resistance at lots of times in my life, but there's one source of resistance that I can never overcome. That's God. I mean, if God is against you, who can be for you? If God is set up to resist you because you in your pride and self-will won't hear anybody, won't listen to his voice, won't submit yourself, won't humble yourself, how in the world do you expect that God is going to bless you? He isn't. I am preaching the Bible here. Now, he said God resisteth the proud, but notice what he does. He giveth grace to the humble. Well, I, 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 hear, I, I find here a, a totally different opposite picture. Instead of God setting the battle array against me, instead of God resisting me, what I find is God working for me. Grace is given to me. Grace is God's favor. No longer is God disappointed. No longer is God resisting me. But God in love is giving me his favor. Access to him. His blessing. Do you want that? You're not going to get it if you're filled with pride. And you refuse to clothe yourself in humility and submit. The word submit means to place in order to place under in an orderly fashion. And of course this word clothed, to clothe yourself. I think of, of what the Lord Jesus did for his disciples in John chapter 13. I want you to turn there with me, John chapter 13. And no doubt uh, Peter had this imagery in his mind because he was there. And not only was he there, but he figures prominently in this record where the Lord Jesus Christ clothed himself with humility. Look at it in, in John chapter 13 and verse number 3. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hand and that he was come from God and went to God, he riseth from supper, notice this please, and laid aside his garments. Now, notice what the Bible says in verse 3. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he was come from God and went to God. 
The Bible tells us in Philippians chapter 2 and verse number 5 that he thought it not robbery to be equal with God. That means he was equal with God. In other words, it wasn't taking anything away from the glory of God for the man, the Lord Jesus Christ, the God-man, to say, I am equal with God because he is fully man and fully God. And here we find in the light of that knowledge, in the light of that truth, here's what he does. Verse 4, he riseth from supper and laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself or he clothed himself. The same idea, the same word used here to describe how the Lord Jesus Christ, he girded himself with a servant's garment, a, a, an apron, a, a towel, something that was long enough to where he could, notice verse 5, pour water into a basin and begin to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. The ultimate act maybe that many people would consider of humility, that he, the Son of God, would stoop at the feet, uh, the dirty feet of dirty men and wash their feet. He became a servant. He humbled himself. And so the Bible tells us that we are to clothe ourselves with humility. Can I tell you that garment isn't naturally hanging up in your closet? You got to make sure you put that on every day. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. That's what the Bible tells us there. Let's go back to 1 Peter chapter number 5. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. What do we find here? We find the principle that if we will make ourselves low, that in due time God will set us up on high. He'll raise us up. And so may the Lord help us to clothe ourselves intentionally, purposefully, in humility. Humility. You know... This isn't a foolproof measure of our humility, but oftentimes the countenance tells the story about the heart, doesn't it? The Bible says that God hates a high, a high look, an arrogant attitude, an aura that sometimes we uh, in our pride can put off and say, don't bother talking to me. God said we need to humble ourselves. Clothe yourself in humility. Number two, let me give it to you. Cast your care upon Jesus. Now this is a church dealing with some suffering. And maybe they're saying, hey, wait a minute, we shouldn't be suffering. We're the children of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We had the promises of God. And now we've trusted in Jesus. He said, humble yourself. And now he says to them, cast your care on Jesus. Notice if you would please in verse Number seven, casting all your care upon him, for he, that's Jesus, careth for you. Now, here's some three truths I find here. Number one, Jesus cares for you. The songwriter said, does Jesus care? When I said goodbye to the dearest and best to me, and my poor heart aches till it nearly breaks, is it aught to him? Does it matter to him? Does he see? Oh, yes, he cares. I know he cares. His heart is touched with my griefs. 
And when the days are weary and the long night is dreary, I know my Jesus cares. Hebrews chapter number 4 and verse number 15. The Bible speaks of the office of the high priest. Jesus is our high priest. Aren't you glad to know that? He's passed into the heavens where he ever liveth to make intercession for us. And the Bible says in Hebrews 4 and verse 15, For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. In other words, our high priest is not a high priest who can't be touched. Jesus can be touched. And what is he touched by? He is touched by the feeling of our infirmities. That is our weaknesses. He became a man without ceasing to be God. Fully God, fully man. And he acquainted himself with our infirmities our weaknesses, our frailties. The Bible says he remembers our frame that we are but dust. Listen, we're not made out of the gold of divinity. We are made up of the dust of this earth. And the Lord knows that. And so we have a high priest. Uh, we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. You, you just don't know what I'm going through, Pastor. You, you just don't know. You, I'm telling you, if you only knew, you just don't understand. Well, you might be right. I may not know and I may not understand, but may I tell you there is one who does know and there is one who does understand and his name is Jesus. And you make a choice every day whether or not you're going to believe that and act in obedience to what he said. He was tempted, yet without sin. Verse 16, let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. So here's what I know. I know that Jesus cares. He cares for you. I, I know something else. Jesus not only cares, but Jesus is able to carry my burdens. He, he's able to bear them. Do you know that he took my sin and he took your sin? He took my suffering and my death and he took your suffering and your death. He took my shame and he took your shame upon himself and he went to the cross of Calvary and he suffered and bled and died the death that you and I so justly deserve to die. But on the third day he rose again. Amen. The Bible said he is a man of sorrows and acquainted with griefs. The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 2 in verse number 18, For in that he himself hath suffered being tempted, he is able <laughs> to succor them that are tempted. That means to help them. Hey, can I tell you something? You can know that Jesus cares and you can know that Jesus is able to bear your burdens. And he's the only one who's able to bear them. You're not able to bear them. But I want to tell you, I've got some good news for you. He bore them for you. And because he bore them, here's the third truth. I can place my burdens on him. Now the word casting here is an interesting word. Uh, if you've ever been fishing, you know what it means to cast, right? You just, you throw that line out there and you cast it. What you're doing is you're, you're throwing it. You're tossing it. You're getting it off of you. That's what it literally means, to throw it on Jesus. In other words, I don't have to let that burden settle in on my shoulder, not for one second. 
I can easily take that burden and I can cast it on Jesus. And do you know he's ready to receive it? He's happy to receive it. That's why the Bible tells me there in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 16 that I can come boldly to the throne of grace that I might obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. What do I need with my burdens? I need mercy. I need grace to help. And where do I find it? I only find it on the shoulders of Jesus. I can place my burdens on Jesus. But that's an act of faith and obedience. That is an act of trust. And when I refuse to do that, by the way, here's what I'm saying. I don't need Jesus. I think I can carry this burden okay myself. And I, I really don't trust Jesus with this burden. I need to keep this burden close to me. That's why it's so important we learn to humble ourselves. Because we have to recognize we have no ability in ourselves. And therefore, as we humble ourselves, then and only then can we cast our cares upon Jesus. Because we got a good picture of who we are. We're nothing. He is everything. And we can't handle the burdens, but he can. And so the next time you start chewing your fingernails and wringing your hands and, and, and getting nervous energy and running all over the place, and oh my goodness, what am I going to do? Oh, help me. And scratching your head and... and carrying a burden and walking around like you're, you know, uh, one step away from the funny farm, let me tell you something. You can make a choice to give your burdens to Jesus. None of us have any excuse biblically to conduct ourselves that way. None of us. Because we can cast our cares upon him. Because he cares for us. Now, just as we have the question of submission, it's a choice. And this is a question of trust. A choice that we make. To throw our burdens on Jesus. And so if anybody had a reason to walk around, you know, downcast. Woe is me. Fidgety and nervous and upset and agitated. It was this group of believers. But Peter said to them, cast your care, all your care, all your care on Jesus. He can handle it. You can't. Here's the last one. Contend with the enemy. Notice if you would please in verse number Eight, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour, whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. And so we see here, he's, he's dealing with in verse 5, he's dealing with the problem of our arrogance. In verse number 7, he's dealing, he's dealing with the problem of our anxiousness. And here in verse number 8 and 9, he's dealing with the problem of our adversary. And he says, you got an adversary, you need to be aware of that. Hey, do you ever remind yourself that the devil is against you? that Satan is alive and he is real 
and that we have a, an enemy, an adversary that is fighting against us. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. We don't fight the battle with our own uh, methodology, with our own flesh. And we understand that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Who do we wrestle against? We wrestle against principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in high places. We're in a battle as believers against the devil. He is our adversary. He is against us. Now, we find if we humble ourselves, God does not resist us, but he gives us grace. But there's one thing we need to know. Satan is always working against us. He's our adversary. Now, there's some admonitions that he gives us here as we think about our adversary. First of all, he says, be sober. Notice, if you would, please, verse 8. Be sober, be vigilant. In other words, be attentive. Be awake. Be alert. That word vigilant means to be alert. It means to be on guard. It means to be watchful. It, he says here, be sober. Why? Why am I to be watchful, on guard, attentive, alert? Because I have an enemy. And this is what the enemy's doing. He's, he's as a roaring lion. What is he doing? He's pacing back and forth. And he's looking for somebody to devour. That's what he's doing tonight. That's what he'll do tomorrow. That's what he'll do the next day. He's walking. He said to the Lord, when, when the Lord spoke to him in the book of Job, where you been? Satan, he said, from going to and fro in the earth. What's he doing? He's looking for somebody that he can destroy, that he can devour. Satan wants to destroy your life. And when you're going against God and God's word and the admonitions that are given for us in this passage, let me tell you what you're doing. You are making yourself an easy victim for the devil. And so he says, be alert, be watchful, be sober. Contend with the enemy. We're in a battle. Now, we're to contend by being sober, by being watchful. Then notice what he says. In verse 9, whom resist steadfast in the faith. So, be sober and be strong. Steadfast means to be fixed, to resist him steadfastly. How do I do it? In the faith. What is the faith? It is believing and trusting in God. Resist him in the faith. What is the thing he wants to shatter? He wants to shatter my faith. What is the thing he wants to disrupt in the hearts of God's people? It is the faith. What is the thing he wants to hide from a lost world? It is the faith. And therefore he says we are to resist him steadfast in the faith. We are to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. We're in a battle. We're in a battle. We can't be carried away by every wind of doctrine. We can't be dependent upon our emotions. Well, I had a good day today. Well, I'm glad you had a good day today. But tomorrow you may not have a good day. I like going over there to Tabernacle. Those people are really nice to me. Well, what if somebody doesn't speak to you the next time? 
Well, I, I, I think Mr. Newby ought to be, you know, I appreciate him being so nice and offering to help me uh, get me in as an usher. But what, what if he gets busy and he, he doesn't ask you the next time? Boy, those kids really listen to me teach the Bible. Those children on my bus route, they're, they're obeying. But what happens when they don't? And, and if we're on an emotional, feel-good ride, that ride's going to come to a crash. And, and when it does, we become easy prey for the devil, don't we? That's why he says, resist him steadfastly in the faith. By the way, he's always walking about. That means I've always got to be in a, a position and a place ready to resist him. Always. And, and I know how he works. The Bible says we're not to be ignorant of his devices. And so we can know how he works. And therefore, as we identify, as we learn through the experiences of our lives, oh, the devil tripped me up again on that one. How many of you have ever said that to yourself? When am I going to learn? Well, that's a good question for all of us to consider, isn't it? But we do learn and we identify him because we're not ignorant of his devices. And we have to understand we have to resist him steadfastly. Be sober, be strong, and then be sure. Notice this. Uh, knowing, verse 9, that the same affliction are accomplished, the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. Now they might have thought to themselves. We are the only people who are dealing with hard times. And what he's saying to them is that these temptations and afflictions that you're dealing with are common things that not only happen to you, but they happen to everyone else. Here's the difference. We have the Lord and they don't. You ever go to a funeral of someone who who doesn't know the Lord as far as we knew. They, they didn't trust Jesus as their Savior. Have you ever tried to talk to a family uh, who has no idea of the message of the gospel? They have no hope in heaven. They have no idea where their loved one is. There's nothing more significant than knowing where we're going, right? That our sins are forgiven. And so here, this, this word knowing means to see with perception to see with perception here's what I can do I can see what's happening in the world and what's happening to me in light of God's truth and I can identify Satan working through these afflictions to discourage me in my walk with the Lord to get me off course and therefore, I can be sober and attentive. I can be strong in the faith. And I can be sure that God is at work in my life. And that the things that are happening to me are not just happening to me. They're happening all around me. Verse 10. But the God of all grace who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus. After that ye have suffered a while. The Bible said the sufferings of this present world are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Paul said our light affliction is but for a moment. And it worketh 
for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Here's what we understand about our suffering. Our suffering is just temporal. But the glory is forever. It's eternal. It knows no end. And so he says, after that ye have suffered a while, what do we find here? We find that God uses this suffering. God uses this adversity. God uses these trials. And how does he use them? Notice, if you would, four things. Number one, make you perfect. That is to complete you and equip you. God is using trouble in your life to equip you, to, to furnish you, to complete you, to mature you as a believer. And then you see the word establish. That means to set you up, to prop you up, to fix you firmly. And then we see the word here, strengthen. And that's an interesting word because it, it is very closely akin to the word weakness. It is, it is the opposite of, of weakness. And, and I think about the way to be strong in the Lord is to be weak. Because what did the Lord say to Paul? He said, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. I've often heard it said, until we are weak enough for God to use. Now we're weak. We just have to recognize our weakness, right? And if we truly recognize our weakness, we'll have no problem with our humility and we'll have no problem casting our cares upon Jesus because we know that we can't do it. And he said to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you for my strength is made perfect in your weakness. And he said to this group of believers, you know you're recognizing how frail and how weak you are, but let me tell you, you're just now getting to the place where God can use you and be strong. And his strength can be made perfect in you. And then here's the last one. Settle you. That means to ground you. It literally means to lay the foundation. To get settled. Have you ever met somebody that's unsettled? God wants to settle you. And he will use these trials and these afflictions in your life to do it. And why does he do it? Notice verse 11. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. He does it for your good and for his glory and for the work of his kingdom. And so here we see, uh, we see this final word from Peter to the suffering saints. Number one, clothe yourself in humility. Number two, cast your cares upon Jesus. Number three, contend with the enemy. Don't get weary in the fight. Resist him steadfastly. Thank you for listening to this message from Tabernacle Baptist Church. We pray that God has used his word to speak to your heart today. If you'd like to learn more about the ministries of Tabernacle Baptist Church, you can go to our website, tabernaclehickory.org. That is tabernaclehickory.org. There you'll find additional resources that we pray God will use to be a help to you. If the Lord should lead you to partner with us or make a donation online, you'll find a link provided on the website at tabernaclehickory.org. May God bless you and thank you for listening.